0: Chapter 25 Hellhound. Killed by what? asked Walter, certain he had heard Mama incorrectly. The Hellhound guarding the treasure, she said. It appears the writer of this journal made one or two unsuccessful attempts at the treasure, and in doing so, learned enough to record a few details about its location and its terrible guardian but there is no record either of success or of giving up, which leads me to believe the quest ended in, well, excruciating death. A brief hush fell over us before Walter said, Well, are we going for it or what? After surviving Gergen's obstacles, things like excruciating death were old hat, and held little terror for seasoned adventurers like us. "'What do the notes say about the hellhound?' I asked. Mama opened the journal to the appropriate page. As she read it, she said, "'First, that it is a three-headed dog bigger than an elephant. Second, that it is chained outside a cave on the isles south shore.' The writer also says he tried to distract it by feeding it a cow, but this ruse failed, because the hellhound's favorite food is human flesh. He also tried to sneak in at night, but apparently the hellhound does not sleep. He had a narrow escape that time, and only at the cost of his pants seat, which he left in the hellhound's teeth. But that is where the journal ends. During Mama's recounting of the journal's contents, Gergen had been growing visibly nervous. By the time she was finished, he looked downright ill. You have to excuse me from this, um, errand, he said, trying hard to remain calm and courteous. You see, I have been unfortunate enough to stumble upon the hellhound's lair, and it is an experience I don't wish to replicate so if you'll excuse me—' Without another moment's hesitation, the goblin snapped his fingers and disappeared as quickly as he had come. Gergen's fear was unnerving. If he had been willing to mess around with dragons, what kind of creature was this hellhound to strike such terror into him? "'Are you sure you boys are up for this?' Mama asked, noting our pale faces. Walter and I exchanged a glance, each of us silently hoping the other would seize the opening to opt out. Neither of us did. I had earned at least a modicum of Walter's respect at the maze of confounding, and I wasn't about to let that slip away because I was afraid of a dog, no matter how many heads it had. Let's do it, I said uncertainly. Walter smirked and nodded his agreement. Then it is decided, Mama conceded, to the hellhound. Made wiser by our last adventure's foolish omission of water, Mama outfitted each of us with a canteen. As we filled them from the sink faucet, she rewrapped and retied the sling around herself. Keeping her back to us, so that we still could not see the baby with our own eyes, she placed him, or her, in the sling, nestled snugly against her breast. Mama turned just in time to see Pip's nose crinkle with disappointment. She opened her mouth to chide him, then thought better of it and said nothing at all. On our quest to Gergen's cave a week earlier, we had taken the west path from the garden. When we arrived from Mama's treehouse in construction that morning, we had come through the eastern archway. Since the journal mentioned the Hellhound's Cave as being on the isle's south shore, it only made sense to leave through the hedgerow on that end of the garden. Unlike the other paths on the aisle, this was not paved with level flagstones, for it cut steeply downhill along the barren bottom of a shallow ravine. Exposed roots and stones protruded up from the ground, tripping hazards that kept our attention fixed upon our feet. All the while, the brush on either side of the ravine grew denser and closer, encroaching upon our heads and shoulders. When I thought we might run out of breathing room altogether, the ravine opened up to the isle's rocky southern shore. Here the beach was more of a seawall, where stones and boulders of various sizes had been deposited helter-skelter by retreating glaciers long ago. Acheron's waters, stirred to life by a late-morning breeze, lapped at them gently. This looks like a good place to turn an ankle, cautioned Mama. Watch your step. Walter, surveying the shoreline, asked, Which way? Mama pointed eastward. This way, I think. It looks like the shore widens ahead. If there is a treasure cave and an elephant sized, three headed dog guarding it, it must have some space, right? We picked our way carefully along the rocks. The going was aggravatingly slow, especially with Pip's insistence that he hop from rock to rock without anyone's help. But our lethargic pace did afford Mama the time to ask a question, one which had apparently been troubling her. Why has Hattie not come with you yet? Walter and I shared a glum look. Neither of us wanted to tell Mama what Jacob had said at her funeral. Mr. Jansen won't let her go anywhere, Walter finally answered. It wasn't a total lie, at least. He's afraid she'll get sick if she does. Mama frowned. I miss her, but I suppose I understand why Mr. Jansen feels that way. We walked a few minutes in silence before Mama spoke again. She has often been in my thoughts lately. In fact, sometimes I cannot stop thinking about her, even if I try. I no longer dream because I do not sleep but if I did, I somehow feel certain my dreams would be of her. Mama raised her eyes. Not far ahead, the narrow pathway of stones passed alongside a broad shelf of granite. Except for a few choked pines and knobby clumps of moss, the rocky ground there was bare and open. When we finally reached the gently sloping granite table, The forest trees no longer obstructed our view, and we were enabled to see what had previously been hidden. Beneath a high, overhanging precipice, gouged deep into the isle's gray bones, was the obsidian maw of a yawning cave. I figured it to be at least as tall as our castle home's gabled rooftop. Mama kept in front of us taking cautious steps as she shepherded us behind her outstretched arms. There was no detectable movement within the cave's rocky jaws, only silence and unfathomed darkness. Mama halted us a safe distance from the opening. Cupping her hands around her mouth, she called out, "'Hello? Is anybody, anything, there?' We didn't wait long for an answer. Almost immediately we heard a rustling from within. A terrible clanking followed it, like that of a Dekenjian ghost trudging slowly and aimlessly about in its eternal bondage. It was the glimmer of eyes which we saw first, eyes the size of wagon wheels, approaching the harsh sunlight like distant fires kindled at twilight. There were, in total, six of them. "'I think we found our hellhound,' Mama whispered fearfully. Out from the cavern it stepped, snarling and bearing three sets of pointed teeth. Its fur was jet-black, unmarred by streaks or spots of any other color. Each lithe face ended in a moist, black, nostril-flaring nose." Nearly everything about the three heads was identical, with one exception. The left head's eyes were cobalt blue, the center head's eyes were coal black, and the right head's eyes were of a loamy brown. Shackles, much like the one which had bound the dragon, were fastened around each of the hellhounds' individual necks. Thick chains connected these to some sort of anchor lost in the darkness of the cave. The hellhound's padded paw-steps were deliberate and menacing as it approached. Low growls rumbled in the throats of the left and right heads, while the middle one gnashed its teeth and snapped at us. Mama fell back, corralling us behind her as she did be ready to run," she said. We do not know what kind of range it has beyond the cave. But there would be no reason to run, not yet, anyway. The hellhound was still a safe distance away when its chain grew taut and arrested its advance. Both to our shock and to our terrible wonder, the middle-head opened its mouth. With a rumbling voice, as deep as the isle's foundations, it said, My, my, what fortune. Fate has dropped not one, but four tasty snacks into our lap this morning. The left head, whose tones were higher and more energetic, cried out, How long has it been since our last treat? Decades, I think, answered the middle. Not since that treasure hunter. He thought he could outsmart us. Ha! I picked my teeth with his bones, and I'll do the same with yours, said the right head, and its eyes rolled back with nostalgic ecstasy. We did not come here to be your treat, declared Mama. We came for your treasure, hellhound. The middle head narrowed its eyes angrily and sniffed the air. What did you call us? Hellhound? You give us one name, but are we not three? Three heads, yes, Mama replied, but one beast. With a sneer, the middle head said, I'll be sure to save you for last, so you can watch as all your precious children are each devoured by a different mouth. And as you see us taunt and chew and savor and swallow, each in his own way, you will never again make the mistake of calling us one beast. My name, said the left head, is past. I am future, said the right, and I, growled the middle, am present, and I will be your death. A strange, sly grin crossed Mama's lips when she heard present's threat. Before we could stop her, she strode confidently forward until she stood just beyond the reach of the hellhound's chain. "'Foolish woman!' Present sneered as foamy saliva dripped from his jowls. "'Do you think you can tame me? Will you teach me a trick?' Mama didn't answer. Instead, she took two more steps present grinned and licked his lips. Perhaps I will eat you first after all, along with your tenderest child, whom I now see suckling at your breast. Adieu, then. Like a striking cobra, the great head snapped forward. Before Mama could take another breath, its tusk-sized fangs closed around her, ready to crush her, to tear her to pieces. My brothers and I screamed. A piercing yelp clove the air, but the cry did not arise from a human throat. It came, rather, from present. Like a dog who has tried cozying up to an unfriendly cat, the beastly head recoiled, and the hellhound's whole body stumbled backward. Mama stood firmly planted exactly where she had been, unscathed and unhurt what is this sorcery present roared with shock and rage you cannot be my death hellhound taunted mama nor my babies you see we are already dead recovering from his initial surprise present snarled savagely and shouted perhaps not yours then but that of your living boys Throughout this entire exchange, the other two heads had maintained their silence. Now the one on the left, Past, I think, glared sideways at Present with indignation. Harshly he snapped, Why do you always get to eat first? Present seemed taken aback by the question. What do you mean? I mean, said Past, what gives you that right over me? Future likewise spoke up, bawling over Present's head. And what makes you think you should eat first? I didn't say anything about eating before you, you great buffoon, Past retorted. I was only commenting on Present, but you always have to assume the worst about me, don't you? Shut up, both of you, growled Present, losing his temper. Don't tell me to shut up snarled Future. And at the same time, Past roared, Why don't you shut up for once? Just because you're in the middle, you think you're the one who gets to do all the talking. No, retorted Present. The reason I do all the talking is because you two are a pair of nincompoops. At this, Past snapped at Present. As Present had butted Future, and as future lunged at past. Present ducked beneath the pincer attack, so that the other two inadvertently ended up striking each other. This, of course, stirred the ire of each head against his two brothers, so that what resulted was the strangest, most paradoxical wrestling match anyone has witnessed since Jacob's grappling with God in Genesis. By the time all was said and done past had a slash over his eye, Future was licking a bloody nose, and Present was covered in the frothy slobber of both the others. Each stared coldly and silently away from the other two, utterly refusing to meet their eyes. Can I say something? Mama asked after a moment's peace. Present huffed petulantly at her, then looked away from her too. "'Please, I might be able to help,' she said. The hellhound shrugged indifferently, but none of the heads gave an outright refusal, so Mama stepped forward with a question. "'Have you always been this angry at each other?' she asked. Present snorted and glared at her. "'Not always. We used to be like every other normal three-headed dog.' "'What do you mean?' "'We used to run and laugh and play with each other,' interjected Past. "'And when our master's family fed us, we would share the food equally.' "'So, what happened?' asked Mama. "'One day Present realized he was in the middle,' replied Future. "'And because he was in the middle, he thought that should make him our leader.' "'Yes?' But I only did it because Future insisted on fetching all the balls Master threw. Argued Present, he said it was only right because he always knew exactly where Master would throw it. You always needed to be the center of attention. But Past said his fur was softest and most relaxing to stroke at the end of a hard day. So his head should always rest on Master's lap at bedtime, retorted Future, deflecting the accusation. We started arguing much more after that, said Present, casting nasty glances at the other two. As our anger increased, explained Future, we became swollen with it. We grew and grew until Master told us he could no longer take care of us. You mean you weren't always this big? asked Walter, striding bravely forward to stand beside Mama. Present shook his head. No, we used to be the size of all the other dogs. Of course, said Past. It was the saddest day of our lives when Master sent us away. I realized then that something strange was happening. The iron collars clamped around their necks no longer fit as snugly as when the hellhound had first emerged from the cave. Either the collars were growing larger, or... "'It was all present's fault,' said Future. "'He's the one who accidentally stepped on Miss Master's foot.' "'Squashed it into jelly,' Past murmured with a tearful remembrance. I wouldn't have done it if you hadn't bumped into the wall and thrown me off balance, Present growled at Future. I wouldn't have bumped into the wall if you hadn't jumped at the window when you saw that squirrel outside. Past opened his mouth to add some barbs of his own, but Mama shouted them down. Please, stop. I rubbed my eyes. Surely I was seeing some kind of optical illusion or trick of the light. Because the collars again seemed to fit the canine necks perfectly, and were perhaps even tighter than before. What we have here, said Mama, is a case of sibling rivalry that has run completely amuck. The only way to heal this relationship is to talk through your problems with one another, Cautiously, Pip and I edged nearer to the bizarre therapy session. Were they perhaps playing a trick, luring us into lowering our guard so they could pounce? As Mama spoke with the three heads, she helped each to better understand why he was special. Their need to prove themselves over and above the others stemmed from their own insecurities and perceived lack of worth. Since past, present, and future all shared one body in common, it meant they could never escape the low self-esteem they felt in the presence of their brothers. A curious thing happened as Mama counseled them. The three heads began to shrink. The shackles around their throats loosened as their swollen anger continued to deflate. They shrunk first to the size of an elephant, than a rhinoceros and a buffalo. Although their iron collars slipped free during this process, not once did they try to eat us. When the hellhound was no bigger than a common dairy cow, Mama charged them with a final task. You have all wronged each other, she said. Arguing over who has done worse than the others will only keep the feud alive. If you want the years of anger and discord to be over, each of you must apologize to the others. Despite all his earlier bravado and temper, Present was the first to speak. I've been the most selfish middle head of any dog in history, he muttered ashamedly. I'm sorry. And if I had shared Master's affections with you, we would still be with him today, Past admitted. I'M SORRY, TOO. I'M SORRY FOR PRIDING MYSELF ON HOW WELL I COULD CATCH THE BALLS, MASTER THROUGH, SAID FUTURE. IF WE EVER FIND ANOTHER MASTER, I'LL BE SURE TO LET YOU BOTH HAVE AS MANY TURNS AS ME. THE HELLHOUND, THAT IT EVER BORE SUCH A NAME, SEEMED SILLY NOW, CONTRACTED IN SIZE ONE LAST TIME UNTIL IT WAS NO BIGGER THAN OUR PUPPY. Playfully wagging their collective tail, the triple-headed dog pounced on Mama, and three pink tongues licked at her lovingly. "'What will you do now?' she asked, when their enthusiasm had finally died down. "'Perhaps if we find Master, he would welcome us home again,' said Future. Present nodded his approval and said, "'We at least have to try.' Now that our love for each other has returned, the only love we are missing is his. Then I wish you the best of luck on your journey, said Mama. But if you find that your master will not have you, or that he has passed on, return here, and you will have a home with me. Nuzzling his wet nose against Mama's hand, Past said, Thank you for showing us kindness, even though we didn't deserve it. I'm sorry I tried to eat you, added Present. It won't happen again. Mama chuckled. She patted each of the three muzzles and said, Good boys, off with you now. I am sure you have a long way to travel before dark. Baying happily, the three-headed dog trotted across the rocky clearing, and, with a final grateful look back at us, disappeared into the trees. Mamma's gaze lingered after them as they left. Once they were gone, she turned to face her own three boys and declared, ''Now for our treasure.''